You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. This is The Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Oh, Bracken. I can't tell you how nice it is to see you sitting across from me here. I've been staring at myself for two weeks, and it's very disconcerting. What a nightmare that must have been. It is good to be back. Yeah. It is very good to be sitting here in the podcast room with you. This is really my first... uh, debrief of anything since returning as in like i haven't talked to anybody about my trip how training went um this is like the start point of me getting my life back together post trip and you are you're commencing that for me so thank you well i'm honored to be hosting this commencement speech it's great you look really bundled up and i'll tell you what i came back to i don't know i think real feel was negative 13 when i got back in on friday night i came back from 80 degrees or 85 (laughs) degrees and just at the time where i started feeling somewhat heat and humidity adapted it was time to come home and then i walked Mm -hmm. out into this and i understood why people bitch about the cold who don't live in the cold it only took me two weeks to turn into a baby sucking his thumb now we're back to it. So seeing you all bundled up has me, I don't know, maybe you've turned into a baby is what I'm getting at. Maybe. We all slept in today. Hmm. Everyone in the house slept in. And so I turn the heat down at night always. We all sleep better when mm-hmm. it's a little colder. And so it was. I was later turning it back up. And this is the room that heats up the slowest. Plus I got a new jacket. I was wearing it around. It's a good looking jacket. Just keeping it on. All right. I can get on board with that. And we have a, I feel like we have a, a bit of a debrief in general today because, um, well, I was gone. You held down the fort, and I want to say thank you for that. You let me go on vacation and actually be on vacation. My athletes left me alone. It was the most bizarre thing. You know, as a coach, like your phone is lit up constantly, right? And you're always getting back to people, and everybody mm-hmm. just let me be. It was unbelievable. And knowing that wow. our street was taken care of because you held down the fort meant a lot. So thank you, Bracken. But you're leaving, and I'm going to have to do the same thing for you. Yeah, I leave in – when this comes out, I will be leaving in 24 hours or less, depending on when it comes out. You'll be gone for how long? Two weeks. <laughs> Hopefully people stick with us through this month's stretch. I hope so. Content's still getting out there. It sure is. It depends which one they're here for. Maybe we'll find out by the downloads. They might check out for two weeks at a time. <laughs> yeah, we will find out by the downloads. You start to see what people really care about, too, because you disappeared and I did a whole episode on shoes. <laughs> did a whole episode <laughs> on double threshold training. Just nerded out on stuff I care about. And now I'm going to leave and we're going to find out exactly what you go to when the chips are down. Like when there's when there's no guests or when you're time crunched or I'm just going to do this solo you revert back to what you know or what you're really passionate about. And I went back to shoes and threshold. <laughs> That's it. And I had Lisa in for the, the shoe episode. And I just talked about some some good workouts, some of my favorite workouts. So I will be interested to see what direction you take it. There ain't nothing wrong with that. You know, something that I was oddly proud of 
is I recorded a podcast the day before I left a deer hunting podcast. I don't know if you saw, but I reposted some Instagram stories. A hunting podcast reached out. I saw that. I didn't know you were on it. I was the guest. Um, And I tried to tie in endurance training into deer hunting. I wanted to talk about how great of a deer hunter I was, but the host didn't want to go that direction. He wanted to talk about health and fitness for the deer hunter. We had a great conversation. Um, And I got a good response from it. Not that I'm going to go the outdoors route while you're gone, but somehow I might just wedge it in there. You never know. Yeah. I really like the deer hunting podcast. It's called Deer Hunter. You should go listen to it. It was like released last Friday. I will then. <laughs> you better. It, it was be, like you had reposted it, but then it's smaller and I didn't bother even trying to read what was inside there with my old eyes. You're really branching out. I didn't know you were the guest. Sure was. Wow. All right, so we got a couple of, like, a number of things to cover. Like, we're really doing sort of a rap session, right? Like, we're going to talk about, before the, I left for the trip, we did a how to train while on vacation or while traveling. We also had, was it with Chad Trammell mm-hmm. um, or somebody before? I asked them about uh, performing well with jet lag. Or no, it was um, mm. it was the Race Brain podcast when you weren't, when uh, Rich and Jack were gone. We talked to... Um, David and Meg about anyways, well, I experienced that full throttle, the jet lag situation going to and coming back. So I figured we could chat about all that. Oh, and yeah. I don't know. I kind of wanted to talk about our, our racing plans for the year because I've made my mind up concretely. And I know you're sort of circling the waters of making a decision, right? Yeah. Yeah. I thought I was totally concrete and now I'm waffling a little bit. In terms of short-term, long-term vision, I've I've got nailed down, but short-term vision is what I'm unclear about. Well, what's the long-term vision for you then? I guess just I mean just as a just starting point, I don't I don't know if I even know that. Well, my overriding goal is to get to December in the best shape I've ever been in. December. What kind of shape? That sounds like a weird goal. Overall, all-encompassing, because I've had a December. One December where I was in decent high rock shape and terrible running shape because that was when I had, I was uh, staring down at the first meniscus surgery. And so I just went in on lifting and metcons and things like that, but I could only run three times a week and they weren't very effective runs. And then every other off season of my life, other than my senior year of college, I didn't run much. My senior year of college during Christmas break, I put in a really good block of just like staying power workouts. I was doing 1200s and miles and 2Ks. I did a bunch of four mile hard tempos and just came back feeling strong. And I, I PR'd everything that year from the start. I PR'd almost every race all the way through the year. Just a good, solid off season set me up well. But then even in places like Colorado or things like that, I never really... Um, one really good off season, but Colorado in December, I found to be, it was the hardest time to run. And then after that, I figured out what trails were open and what weren't, but it, it took me a long time to figure out where I could run and how to get my workouts in. And then, so I had, I've had like three years of my life where I've maybe four, where I felt like I'm in good shape in December around Christmas time, but it's always been lacking something in Colorado. I had no strength. None. I was I was the lightest I've been since high school, or since my freshman year of college, and was just very finely tuned in one direction. And then ever since then, I've either been out of shape or injured every off season. 
Outer Shape was intentional, just taking a break because I raced those big seasons, red race 20, 30 times in a year and just need a break. Or more recently, I've just not been healthy in the off season. So my goal is to get to December in the best overall December shape I've ever been in. That staying power of college plus the strength and Metcon ability of High Rocks combined with hopefully the endurance of Colorado. I'd like an all-around December fitness. So that's that's my North Star for the year. Hmm. Don't do anything at any point along the way that jeopardizes going into next year healthy and fit. So every decision revolves around making it to the end of the year, not only in one piece, but um, strong, fit, and I guess no... No compromise will be made to long-term progression this year. That's what I'm understanding. That's entirely it. Mm -hmm. Long-term progression. Each month, I'd like to feel better than the last month. If you look back at my last four and a half years now, maybe going on five, the one thing I cannot say I've had is consistency. I just don't have months strung together. I get three months max, and then there's been a setback. So I need to see six, eight, ten months, basically uninterrupted to know that this thing still can be my thing. This thing being running and fitness and training for it. It can be my thing forever. Like I can keep stringing along. I'm not in bad shape off of disjointed training, but it's not training towards competition. It's been surviving and exercising. I can exercise my whole life off whatever injury I want. That's fine. But this is, this is kind of like my prove-it year. Am I a one non-stop train wreck that just needs to exercise, or can I go back to being a competitive athlete? And you know what? You don't need to do anything in particularly special between now and December to achieve that. You need to stay no. on the right side of the ground, above water, and being able to lace your shoes with regularity – and no matter what path you choose, as long as you're able to do those simple things, you're going to be light years ahead of where you've ever been in the last, what, three years probably. The same goes for me. I got lucky. I came back from a five-month foot injury. I didn't run for five months. Knock on wood, I've been able to string training together ever since. And I, I was blessed with COVID in the sense that I wasn't rushed. I didn't have to make yep. any decisions ahead of schedule. I just got to allow fitness to be fitness and I didn't do anything special. I really didn't do anything special. I just was able to develop consistency, which was the first time in years I was able to do that. And I'm telling you right now, I didn't do anything special. And so it's kind of like, I think that should be a really nice soft pillow to sleep on to know that consistency is going to spawn results, even if it's not flashy. I really believe that because I experienced it. Yeah, I do too. And and I'll I'll turn 36 in May. So, balls. And yet, even if I have to spend the entire year just building back up everything I've lost through inconsistency, that's still 36 next year this time. Yeah. You know, that's still almost that's three and a half years, four years younger than what you'll be looking at. Stop that. Four years exactly Stop almost. That. And you're so fit. Like, I can afford a year. I was injured. My five months off happened while I was 37. And I returned to running the last six months of being 37. So, yeah, I'm actually, you're still even ahead of my schedule there. And that's what's kind of hit me. 
is that like this this pressure I feel to get back has been entirely self-imposed for goals that don't matter in the long term. So it's just none of that. So that's the overriding goal. The secondary, I have some specific race goals I do want to hit. And I don't think I'm, I'm not locked in on when and where yet because I want to jump, jump in and do the 3K season, but that falls directly counter to this do not change gears until the gears are naturally asking to be changed. Like when you're on a bike, you're pedaling you get to the point where you know you have to change gears to get any better to move any faster or more efficiently that's how i want this season to be i don't want to be changing gears early and you have to stand up and crank to try to get the pedal spinning hard i want it to be like hey you're spinning at way too high of a cadence you're not putting anything down shift up one and then feel immediately better that's how i want the whole year to go i want it to be easy victories through consistency and any time I approach races that are high level of any sort, I'm too competitive. I have to quick pivot and do a sharpening up or a crash course. And I know myself too well. So I don't know. I haven't decided yet when I start racing. 3K is obviously on the table. Seven Sister Sky Race I'm already signed up for. So those are the two things I want to be able to do well. But I also want to be in high rock shape. So I have some figuring out to do along the way. When is Seven Sisters? September 22nd or 23rd. Part of me worries a little bit about jumping into, I mean, specific 3K training is is full on, man, if that's something you want to go and do well at. And it, a little bit of me worries, it's like kind of putting the mm-hmm. cart in front of the horse a little bit as far as like yeah. foundational principles of how to build fitness if your end goal is December. At the same time, the temptation is real because for those who forget, you are a 20 minute monster when it comes to OCR, like yeah, stadiums were your wheelhouse. You were the stadium series champ multiple years in a row. This does fall naturally to your skill set, and you can get really fit for this, I believe, in this amount of time. So it's, I understand why you would be teetering because I would be too. Yeah. If we specifically look at the 3K for Spartan Race, it's not a 3K track race. You're only going to need to be fast in the rounds, the thousand meter prelims and semis. Final is going to be a grind. And since it is more in my wheelhouse and it is more like that 20 minute race, the closest thing we have to that are the short course or stadiums I've done in the past. And I've done equally well at those, no matter how I've trained off of ultra training. I've done well off Colorado, nothing but vert and threshold work. I felt fantastic running 20 to 25 minute races And then coming off of injury in the more recent years, doing crash course, just intensity sessions, not even running mileage in between so I could recover, I still raced pretty well. In fact, that race I won, probably 2019 was that, was the biggest stadium race I ever won. That was off like four days a week running, all quality. Just six to eight week, maybe nine week crash course for it. So I can do, I can do it off any style. So part of me says, just train for December, do your staying power progression you want to do, and you'll race fine off of it. But I know that the way the sport is now, you're going to have Kempson, you're going to have Rylan, you're going to have Atkins, you're going to have VJ, you're going to have Botris, Godet. I mean, the, that's a murderer's row of this sport. Don't plan on making money back in the beginning no and it can't be a monetary pursuit for me but i will get my butt whooped 
early and often until my fitness catches up along the way. And I'm not that type of athlete. I'm not a race my way into shape, take my lumps athlete. I'm a, a show up when I'm ready to compete. Otherwise, like I can't, I can't maintain momentum, but when I'm getting beat down backwards, True. I need to disappear after a loss and come back when I'm ready. So I'm trying to balance like what's best actually for me in my life because racing shouldn't matter that much in my life. And so what keeps me happy? That's ultimately how you should make your decisions, which is what I based my decisions off of this year as well. But And I want to get to you, but I want to wrap up by saying I've almost never in my life chosen what I'm going to do with competition about what makes me happy. It's always been about what excites me and what is a huge challenge, but it's the risk rewards always big with me. Like if I do well, it's fantastic. If I don't do well, it, I'm not the type of person who's happy at the venue after a loss. I have to fake it. And then I'm miserable the whole flight home. Like it sucks. I'm not that person. So I've never tried making a race plan about what's going to make me happiest. Even if I don't do well. that's a weird place for me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if anybody truly can be, I don't know, truly feel happy after a poor performance, but there's a little extra pressure, you know, I'm truly bitter. Yeah. I didn't see you. Uh, after you rolled your ankle in Jacksonville, you seemed to t- at terms with that performance because of an injury. But other than that, yeah, yeah, nonsense I can handle. Right. It's hard not to feel a little pressure being in our position, which is silly. Um, as a host, as of a support crew of listeners, you kind of feel like you want to do good by the people, right? And I know it's the only pressure is self-imposed. The only stress is self-imposed. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares at the end of the day or will be disappointed if you go out there and don't perform but because we feel so supported on this podcast which we are very lucky to there is an added weight to go out there and prove that you're not just talk and whether you like you like it or not we've created that for ourselves do you feel any of that because i do from time to time no i almost feel the opposite huh I think it's because I've talked for so long about all these injuries and just about the <laughs> theoretical side. Uh-huh. I have, uh, maybe it's just in my own mind, but become coach first, athlete second. And so when I go to these places, it's almost like, hey, look at how much of a bonus nugget we have right here. Sure. We just get to we just get to race and it doesn't matter and no one expects anything because they know you're injured and slow. And then if I do anything, everyone's just super happy for me that just that I'm even out there. That seems to be the general sentiment at races. Like, oh, it's so good to see you try it. No one, that's not no one cares what people about my think, performance by anymore. the way, and that's not true. But That's I, what I hear. I understand what you're saying. And it feels that way to me too. Like, good for you just doing it. That was a, you're a great trier. So, no, I don't feel pressure to, to, to perform externally, mm-hmm. but I don't know any other way to, to approach it internally. I can get on board with that making sense. But I want to hear about you. Mm-hmm. You have concrete feelings now, and you 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 kind of did the, the leapier thing. Like you got out of college and you disappeared to Asia to go find yourself. <laughs> Asia you came back with clarity. Asia is not what uh, Vietnam did not help me find myself in that regard. But I, I had, okay. <laughs> um, and I had a lot of messages. People are like, can you do a whole podcast on talking about your trip? I can't wait to hear about it. I, I don't think so. Maybe I'll touch on it a little bit today. It was fantastic, by the way. But um, 
I told myself that I was going to go on the trip, not worry about race specificity until I get back, and then dive full into, if I'm going to chase the 3K series, I'm going to dive full into specific training for either 3K series or hybrid racing, um, and really pick an avenue and, and hit it. So it was like a ceremonious start point when I returned. And I really enjoyed just putting on my shoes and going out and running in Vietnam. Um, uh, although the running was terrifying at points, which we can get into with how chaotic some of the cities are. It was un- I've never seen people in that density in my life. But nonetheless, as I was coming back, I started feeling this like impending doom a little bit. And it wasn't because I have to come back to work. It wasn't because I have to come back and record podcasts with you. It wasn't because a schedule. In fact, I craved coming back and being back on a schedule and a routine. I thrive off that. I was ready to come back. It was that I'm trying to put a square peg in a round hole. I'm trying to force a style of training on me that I feel people believe I will be good at to go run hybrid or go Mm -hmm. race a 3K format because that's what the people want to see. It couldn't be further from what I want couldn't be further from what I want is to go race a dumb 3k for who knows what and change my training style completely. That sounds horrible. I hate what Spartan's done on the elite level of the sport. Hate it. I'm happy to say that. I love Spartan. I love their traditional races and I may still show up to some of the age group series races to go race the traditional race and then maybe support my athletes at a venue that excites me. But the 3k could not be further from my heart's desires. Hate it. Not afraid to say it. It's stupid compared to what I fell in love with, with Spartan. What I enjoy about Mm -hmm. the sport is not what I believe this is going to be. So I'm out. I'm officially out. I have no interest. I have dread in training for it. Now, hybrid still interests me because I like being strong and I like being functionally fit. And I like the extension. I like the chance to go out there for 60 minutes and display stay par that that potentially still excites me but the 3k format is so far off my radar don't even try because i I won't enjoy the training um and then second i was coming back and it was jess's birthday she turned 31 on uh on our last travel day home and then it started getting me thinking like okay i'm gonna be 40 i've talked about this in the podcast but i'm gonna be 40 in less than two months and more than anything, chasing some of these masters, we have a, I'm lucky to have a pretty good trail racing scene here in the Twin Cities. Some races that mean something have good competition. And there are these masters records that are stout in some of these trail races that excite the heck out of me. I would rather go race a race two hours away that excites me more than travel, you know, a whole day's travel and back to go race something that doesn't. And so I'm kind of waiting for the mm-hmm. calendar page to turn. And I want to go chase some master's records and some times. And that may include, um, I couldn't figure out why I was holding off on the marathon, to be honest with you. And I think I figured it out because I'm waiting to be 40. I want to do something as a 40 year old that holds a different class than Mm. being 30. I couldn't figure out what was like, what, what the kick in the pants was that I was waiting for. And now I think I figured it out. And so I'm going to embrace being an old man, so to speak. And whooping the shit out of anybody yeah. who's younger while also aiming for 40 year for master's records. And so that may mean I don't do another OCI the rest of the year. And I have no problems with that. In fact, a lot of my athletes now um, are pure run athletes. I'd say half of them. It just seems to be um, mm-hmm. 
the way my coaching is heading at times. And so, um, anyways, that's the snapshot. I don't know what that's going to look like. I'm starting with the Zumbro 17 mile trail race, which is in less than three weeks. Um, I wish I was a masters for that one. Cause that record I really want to chase, but I'll have to wait another year because it's before my birthday, but I'm going to start with that. I'm going to reset. I may even potentially jump into grandma's marathon in June. If I can still get in, um, as a sort of feeler, not as a full lead in, and then maybe aim yeah. for like a fall one to really swing. Uh, other than that, I don't know, but I want to chase things that matter to 40 year old pluses. Um, so I went on a, tan- a rant there, but that's where I'm at, and I'm totally cool with it. What do you think about all that? I like that. Do you really, though? I do. I don't see this big difference between running track or trails or road or mountain or ultra or OCR. To me, running is running. It's just how you dress it up. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not feeling like dressing up a certain way anymore... It doesn't change the fact that your love's running. So no, I, 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 and I say the same thing to the people that I work with. I could care less what venue of running you want to pursue. I like to see people pursue things and I like to see passion and excitement. And I feel like you kind of have done nothing but follow what you're passionate about for the last two years now. And you've been side-eyeing a few things, but seeing, all right, I'm just going to fully embrace that this is what I want right now. Mm. That's that's the ultimate thing that I think any athlete should want is clarity. So yeah, I love it. It doesn't change anything. No. Like, what are you going to be doing to prep for OCR or mountains or trails or marathons? You're going to be running threshold workouts. You're going to yeah. be running speed work. Yeah. You're going to be cranking your long workouts. Yeah. The only difference is they're not going to be as much heavy carries. <laughs> You're not going to do OCR 400s right. as often. Like that's, there's not a whole lot of difference. Running's running. The only disappointing thing about this realization for me is that, um, is that my number one, without question, if Spartan had an elite series of the Spartan of old, back when the super was eight to 10 miles, back when we didn't necessarily know what we were getting every time we towed the line, I, that would go right to number one for me, which is the unfortunate thing. Yeah. Is that, my heart still loves what I learned Spartan racing as I love, love, love it. And it's just like, it's very polarizing for me, the shift that has happened, unfortunately. And I, and, and I'm speaking out of ignorance cause I haven't done the three K format. And so I, but I think I know myself well enough and I know what I'm enjoying in training, um, to know that I just don't want to put all my eggs in that basket. But anyway, so that's the interesting thing is that just as easily Spartan next year could realize they've maybe made a mistake or whatever. They'll get plenty following the 3K format. We don't need to get into that. But um, next year I could be totally changing my tune if I had an opportunity to. It's just mm-hmm. that door is not open for me right now. And so that's why you got to – that's why the heart wants something else. That's simple. But I'm still – I'm still there's still a relationship there. Like I still have a tie and a connection to it emotionally for sure. It's just – She's not loving me back right now, Bracken, and that's okay. That's okay. She's seeing other people right now, Kirk. <laughs> she really is. Something spicy and flashy. That'll burn hot and fast and then burn out. That's, you know, that's how it always does, right? Having done enough of these shorter races, this is how it goes. Everyone complains about it beforehand or gets excited. It's one or the other. Mm-hmm. And then everyone who does it leaves saying, I had a blast. It was awesome. Yep. But most people leave thinking, I don't want to dedicate my whole season to this. 
Like while you're there, they're fantastic. And then you leave and you're ready for something else. So I support what you're doing. I do. Sweet. Well, I'll be very curious to, uh, to see how, what you end up deciding here, because you have a, uh, I believe the first three K of the year is Palm beaches, which is in roughly what a month, five weeks from, and you'd be coming off of a, a two week vacation and prep as well, which means your training would have yeah. to start being pretty specific. So I'll be curious when you come back from vacation, if you have a similar, it was a very cut and dry for me. It was very helpful for me to go do that and then come back and see how I felt. So I'll be curious how you feel. Well, I've, I've been trying to force some feelings out of myself. Mm-hmm. Kind of, I, I gave myself a homework assignment. I like to do this with athletes of mine from time to time. Okay. Go find 10 races that excite you for the year. Or go come up with three FKTs in your area that excite you. or And one that you'd have to travel for. Just to kind of get a pulse on what, deep down, what do you actually crave? It would be like going on Tinder and swiping. Like after the 10th swipe, you start to realize what your type, what you're actually looking for. Mm-hmm. And I think the same thing about races. This is coming from someone who never had to use a dating app because <laughs> I was married before dating apps came out. But That's how I met Jess, dating it. Yeah, I, I have nothing against it. I think it's great. It was just before me, it was before I would have had any use for it. But I think it clarifies what you're looking for. And so I did that. I started going through Strava, going through local FKTs, looking for races. And do you know what I kept settling on? I kept getting excited about runs that were getting outside into nature and running. Mm-hmm. I can relate. That uh, sounds basic, but none of the FKTs, none of the Strava segments were on pavement. So clearly pavement's not a draw to me. And we have some, like there's a there's a, a gravel, it's like an old rail trail. And so I think it's there's a 37-mile version and a 20-mile version. There's plenty of long routes here that you can go after for FKTs in Wisconsin. None of those really called to me, but there's uh, one called Porcu- uh, Porcupine Mountain, I believe. Mm. Tim Lambiris went after it. It looks awesome. It's technical for 26 miles. Technical, muddy running. I almost jumped in the car to go scout it out this weekend. Mm. Those kind of things, the things that I keep coming back to are the things that are a little grittier and a little bit less clean and they're out in the woods somewhere. That seems to be what's pulling my heart right now. Hmm. And I also know that I have a big goal for OCR still that I will not leave on. But it's such a specific type of fitness needed for that, that for me, I know it must be stacked upon pre-existing great fitness. Like To go do well at the 3K right now would be to qualify into finals. That's not, that doesn't move the needle for me, but I know that five months from now or three months from now, if I have this level of fitness built up, that's when I start jumping into things because I already know that I'm fit. Now it's about just sharpen over with some skill work. So I, and then I looked back over my Strava and over my, my training logs. And I realized that I've had three good levels of fitness in the past four years. And they've all coincided with training for a three-plus-hour mm-hmm. race. One was training for Tahoe. One was training for seven. Uh, one was training for Tahoe Ultra, and one was training for the Tennessee Mile. Whenever I train for something big and long, my fitness pops everywhere under that. 
because I'm more of a fast twitch style athlete, when I round out my weakness, everything under it comes into to line real quickly. So I know that by chasing and doing some of these things that do interest me and excite me, and, and I'll be very forthcoming with this, part of the reason it's exciting to go off and get into these unclean, technical, muddy trails is because it hides your flaws. It exposes them, but if you do okay or great or terrible or bad, it's all this sliding scale and it's really hard to go out there and feel like you fail unless you have to walk. Right. You know, it's it's an easy, safe place to go have fun. Whereas in a 3K, you're exposed very quickly and you don't make finals and you feel like you suck. So I know there is some piece to that, but by going after those things, I will build up the prerequisite fitness to be able to make second half of the season decisions on the fly without fear of not having the underlying fitness. So everything I looked at kept coming back to, I want to go out to Idaho and run a a 50 K with, uh, with Jared price. I want to go out to Colorado and train with Kent and run green mountain with Les Cowan. I want to go out to Ireland and run seven sisters. I want to, I want to do these. I want to go to granite peak a bunch with you and run those slopes. I, yeah, I'm not interested in short and spicy because I know how bad that is when I'm in this fitness. But then I know how easily easily that becomes seductive when I have big fitness. So the homework assignment worked. Yeah, I might have to do that homework assignment. I yeah. like that homework assignment. But it did steer me away from what I thought I was going to be doing in the next six weeks. You know what's interesting is you're, um, there was no indication from you about chasing times. You're more chasing... Um, experiences we'll call it maybe in a sense uh and i could be totally off there by the way but um i'm finding this i've been doing that for the last uh i don't know a little bit until this last year when i started like chasing times and it feels like you know you start to get later in your running career where you still have good potential but you're on the back side of it a little bit you start to realize like, Hey, I may never reach the times I ran in college again. Like that's, that ship's probably sailed and I'm not going to, you know, on the shorter stuff, the mile, the, the 800, mm-hmm. maybe even the 5k. And then you get a magic reset button that I know I haven't felt this yet, but you get a magic reset button when you turn 40, it's like the page is wiped completely clean. And all I want to do is chase times because there's like mm. a new, it's like a new tier where like everything else doesn't matter anymore. It's like, who cares what you did even at 39 and a half or at 18, which is when I was an all American, my first time in the 1500, I was still 18. It's like, none of that matters anymore. You're 40. It's a new categorical phase. And so at 40, what did you do? And so suddenly for the first time, like in years, I'm like, I want to go chase times. I might want to try to run a fast mile. Because I'm 40 now and I have a clean slate. Is that bizarre? But I've been my mind's mm-hmm. gone that direction. Could you see that happening? It almost feels like a rebirthing, which I haven't hit yet, so I don't know. But I yeah. anticipate that happening. Weird thing. Well, there's nothing more satisfying or relieving than a clean slate in any walk of life. And so to have that with running would – I've not thought about that, but that would be pretty cool. But you're you're dead on. Right now, experiences and – unique runs and fun nature filled runs excite me. Mm -hmm. And I, I know that the way my process and fitness works is that if I chase experiences, I'm going to build big fitness. And if I build big fitness, I'm going to start craving times and races. And when I crave times and races, I start getting very interested in running sharpening workouts and, 
and race specific workouts. And then the whole gamut is open to me, but it, I've tried it many ways. Um, the only other way for me to go about getting to that point is to get obsessive and go all in and script out, you know, those 16, 20 block, 20 week blocks and, and go obsessive. And I can't, I've said that like a kind of a lot recently. I can't allow myself to go obsessive because I have three kids. I have a wife. I have a job that depends only on my oversight. Yep. Yep. If you or I don't hold each other accountable and mostly ourselves accountable, we just stop making money. Yeah. It's not like an office job. Not that people have it easy in an office job, but you can go to an office job and then check out and get obsessive in the morning and the evening and maybe even during the day if it's a mindless job. If I get obsessive, I just stop doing work because there's no one to be accountable to. So I cannot be obsessive about this. And so I can't build it from the ground up on obsession. I have to go chase experiences, which you can do on whatever time you want per week. And then when the fitness arrives, obsess for six weeks Mm -hmm. or three weeks or four weeks, and then back off again before it gets dangerous. I like where your head's at there a lot. I almost think just hearing you talk, we didn't plan on, we had no idea what direction we were going with today's episode. So this is, we're just kind of grabbing onto this conversation a little bit. Um, is the, the like intuitive training approach. I know that's never how you've worked, but sort of just feeling out what maybe sounds exciting for you that next day or two. For me, it's worked tremendously. Um, because whatever you excites you or you feel right, you'll also hit with vigor, and that seems to be important. And may I know you haven't worked that way in the past, but and we're same but different. But man, has it worked for me? Why are you smirking? See this little smirk on my face, it's, Kurt. It's not a little smirk; it's a giant ass shit eating smirk. <laughs> I went and deleted my training plan this week. <laughs> you this did. Weekend. I'm so proud of you. Yeah, I I moved all the races from on the calendar to one row to the right. So they're not on there, but I can see where they would be. And I deleted all the scripted training. And instead, I made a list of threshold workouts and long workouts. And then the the double threshold finisher style with machines and stuff. And instead, just decided whichever day I feel like, on that day where I wake up feeling ready to run hard... I'm going to choose a workout from here. And all the workouts that I put together were workouts that are not necessarily progressive in nature, but all work on the same general goal. So some of them are uphill, some of them are technical terrain, some of them are flat. But so when on Tuesday I wake up and decide I want to run the trails today and I think I want to run hard, I just click over to the trail hard tab and I choose a workout to Mm. do on there. And if I don't want one of those, then I'm just going to go out and as soon as I start feeling like it on the trail, run hard for a while. And I'm just going to do the intuitive training for basically until I'm ready for scripted workouts. Because I do crave that authority in my training after a while. And it always aligns with having some fitness. So I had my whole vacation scripted. And I, I got rid of it because it was leading me too sharply down towards Palm Beach for that that 3K mm-hmm. opener. This isn't writing off Palm Beach, but it's I'm going to run hard on the days I want to run hard and run easy on the days that my body needs to run easy. 
And what hard looks like will be dependent on what terrain is sitting in front of me. Because you can do three-minute intervals anywhere on this earth. Uphill, downhill, sideways, it doesn't matter. And when I start to feel fit, I will start to want a progression. And I will put that in. So I actually got to the same point you got to. <laughs> it took me a couple of weeks of thinking about it, and it took you 10 minutes of listening to me. Well, yeah, it's way easier to look from the outside in and not you know, sort through your own feelings. But I'm proud of you, which is rare because I think most people should be on very scripted. That's why we have jobs. We script out purposeful mm-hmm. training for athletes, which I firmly believe is the correct thing for 95% of people. But in this instance, I like it a lot, a lot, a lot. Here's what I've been running into. I script it. I have a plan I want to do. I have a hard workout uh, Wednesday and then another one Sunday. And on that in-between on Friday, I'm supposed to do something indoor on the treadmill. And I just want to run on the trails. Hmm. It's like, well, what do I do then? I'm supposed to have this specific medium-long workout on the treadmill and the rower. But I just want to get out and run the trail. So you get out and run the trail. And then I find myself shuffling everything back a day in the schedule. And I'm sick of doing that. Mm-hmm. Because it feels like you're losing each time then. Like it's a negative reinforcement rather than a positive reinforcement. And it's a self-created system. If it's not working for me, I don't have to use it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I don't know. I like it. I like it a lot. A little bit of an unboxing of where your head's at. And mine too, which I didn't realize I would get because I wasn't looking for it while I was like on vacation and then coming back. But it's funny how those things work. So mm-hmm. let's talk about... Um, what I actually learned a little bit on vacation too, because we, we, before I left, we did a training while on vacation or traveling episode. And then I went and did that. I want to hear about this. Well, yeah. And then you, and you have this coming up, um, which I'd be even more confused if I were you than me because of the potential of a 3k in April that throws a twist in things. Um, but know what I found I relied on more than anything while gone. First of all, 12 to 13, we had a 13 hour time difference and then daylight savings happened here. So we had a 12 hour time difference. I didn't know which way was up or down for the first three days. Just like right now, I don't know which way is up or down again, coming back. It's absolutely jet lag is for real. But anyways, what I found is you almost, I guess what you relied on more than anything. Sure. Pound caffeine and go. (laughs) Yeah. Which led to one of the worst bathroom runs of my life, by the way, the first morning. (laughs) I had like an out of body experience there to the point where like I was almost hallucinating due to, I think over caffeination the second day trying to combine with sleep deprivation. Um, we, yeah, I can't even describe it. I got up and ran around a lake in the middle of Hanoi, which is the capital of Vietnam. And, about six miles around this 10 mile lake. I was like, oh, it's going to commit me to running 10 miles. It was in the heat. I was so tired. I pounded a bunch of caffeine and went, and it was like, I think I stopped to go to the bathroom like four times, but there's like no real public bathrooms there. There's a million people everywhere. The public bathroom I did find was this abomination of, I can't even describe to you what it was, but anyways, we get back and we're like, let's push through the, I get the run done. I basically have to run walk the last three miles because otherwise I'm going to be in trouble. You know, one of those deals, but I'm like, let's push through, let's get on the new schedule. And so we went out and there's something called egg coffee, uh, in Vietnam, which is made with egg yolks and this whole thing. 
And I don't know about you, but I've never had Vietnamese coffee before, which is like four shots of espresso packed into this. It's the most strong coffee I've ever had. And I brew strong coffee here at home, so I thought it was not a problem. So I have a bunch of coffee, go for this run, dehydrate myself, go out into bustling downtown Hanoi and get an egg coffee and a regular Vietnamese coffee. I was like, I need two. I for sure need two. Without question, I need two. And Jess did the same thing. And this is our first day there. And so I had my egg coffee and then I had my other Vietnamese coffee. And like 30 minutes later, I started like getting like pulsing lights in my vision. There's millions of people going by and I start to get tunnel vision. I'm like getting dizzy and losing my vision. I'm like, we need to go home right now. Something is wrong with me. And Jess started feeling that way. And we, it was horrifying. Um, but anyways, out-of-body experience, I think. Because... This sounds a little bit more like a Benny Gifford experience <laughs> to Vietnam than a Kirk DeWitt. That was my experience, man. Just felt the same way. We went back and just laid in the hotel room for like six hours on our fr- in the afternoon of our first full day there because we were destroyed. Destroyed. And I'm pretty sure lack of sleep plus over-caffeination, not good. I learned my Vietnamese coffee lesson. But no, that was a tangent. What I'm getting at is what I realized after learning the lesson of pounding too much caffeine and then going running, good in theory, bad in practice, is allowing your body to tell you what it's ready for that day instead of forcing something down its throat. And what I found, which I did twice, and I only did one scripted workout while I was there, and it was in the last few days there. Otherwise, it was, we're going to run a progression run until the progression does not feel good anymore. Maybe it'll stop me at 6.30 pace. Maybe it'll stop me at 5.30 pace, but I'm going to start easy, work into it, progress. Like I know I need to get something of note done today versus another recovery run. So progress, hold where you feel like you're happy with the rate of work you're doing, and then shut it down when it feels right. And so I really leaned on the progression style. You know, you have 75 degrees humidity. My heart rate was through the roof comparatively over caffeinated probably. And so I relied on the progression style and felt very productive doing so. And then it's also flex. You can sink your teeth into it as long as hard as you want, or you can realize it's not your day and let it win. And so I relied on the progression style more than anything. And the interesting thing about that is while on vacation, I come back and my Strava score is the highest it's been in like 12 weeks, mostly due to cardiac drift, due to heat and humidity. But Progression just found myself naturally allowing, allowing that to happen. And I felt productive yet not like hyper-focused on training. So that's what I ended up relying on the most. And that's funny because what do we say is the most commonly used run we use on vacation? Progression runs. Mm-hmm. Get out there, run somewhere cool. And when you start feeling like picking it up, start picking her up. So it's cool that you felt exactly what we had preached and that always makes us feel a little bit <laughs> easier. We can rest easy knowing that. Yeah, we didn't lie. No, and I didn't even. That's nice. Wasn't a conscious, nice not to lie. <laughs> it wasn't a conscious thought. And then the other workout I think is just the best bang for your buck. I did three, two, one fartlek, and you can do it on any terrain in any circumstance. You're not going for distance; you're going for time. And I just found that a very palatable um, workout um, under you know different climate circumstances. And so three, two, one feels productive. You get some turnover. You can work as hard or as easy as you have that day. And so that was the one quality session I did that was scripted. Um, But otherwise, progressions. What's your plan? Lisa at one point said, ugh, 
Kirk's running right now in 85 degree temperature and 85% humidity. I can't even imagine what that would feel like right now coming out of a Midwest winter. Uh, yeah, well, it, my heart rate would tell you that it was about 15 beats higher at the same pacing, 10 to 15 and yeah. it started coming around. Yeah. So, so that was my summation. Brutal. I got in good, mi- in fact, I ran my highest mileage week recently because I just put my shoes on, went out and ran. Um, and because of the cardiac drift due to the humidity, um, my output was really high almost unintentionally, which means I probably shouldn't have done scripted work terribly often. Um, just because I think I could overcooked a little bit. Um, so that was it. That's my report there. Uh, and I'm curious what your plan is. Well, first I want to hear what was the coolest place you ran? Well, the problem with this place is that if you're in the cities, it is so busy. It's so busy. I've never run in such crowds in my life. Um, and in these small city or in the cities, there's really nowhere to get into a rhythm unless you're around one of the lakes or along the river, which is where everybody floods to then. And so there was about a mile and a quarter around lake, and then there was about a 10-mile around lake, but that was further away. The mile and a quarter around lake, as soon as the sun almost begins to crack, I think I counted five separate sections where there are women and men out there, somebody with a big music box playing, and they're doing hip circles and arm swings. It's like Zumba meets fitness. These just crowds of like 50 to 100 people out there getting their fitness on right as the sun's coming up. So in a mile and a quarter round lake, you have like five groups of 100 people shouting music. Somebody's leading it, I think. I don't know. And they are just blocking everything. And then the fitness crowd comes out, and they all flock. There's millions of people in these cities. And then they're out there running as well. And so my only option was to run on the road, which is where the traffic and the bikes are if I wanted to go uninterrupted without having to slow to a stop. So although that was very interesting, I wouldn't say it was my favorite. Um, Honestly, my favorite place I ran was... Uh, we went to a city called Da Nang for the last like four or five days, Da Nang and Hoi An, and I finally got open space, and I forgot how much I valued that. So I ran along the beach. There's a little mountain that kind of goes up uh, on an island or on a peninsula off of the main city, and I got a little vert in there. Um, the people there see like sort of a like a white pasty guy running with his shirt off, and I got all the honks and the waves and the cheers and the fist bumps and people were so friendly. I got stared at a lot <laughs> running like people like that guy don't belong here, but not in a bad way. It was more in like a look at that guy doing his thing. Um, so that was kind of nice. I'd never been cheered on by randoms like you wouldn't get cheered on here, for example. Um, I, no. I even had some people turn around and take some video and picture of me like, uh, everybody's on their mopeds there. So you'll have somebody driving by like texting and driving his moped, which is very disconcerting. Um, but the mopeds wing, whizzing by and circling back to see like what you're really doing. That was very interesting to me. Um, but my favorite place to run was where I first got freedom, <laughs> which was along the ocean in Da Nang. Yeah. And I had space and that sounds, you could get that anywhere. But for me, it felt like the Holy grail after being stuck I would say for a while. So probably anticlimactic. The trail system there, you just cannot get on without a guide, which I thought I'd go run the trails and you're like, bring your VJs. And so you have some aggressive shoes. Uh, Not happening. Not happening at all. Like, no, 
if I had an athlete go out there and tell me they couldn't get on the trails because it literally wasn't an option, I'd be like, bullshit. You just made a bunch of excuses. Wouldn't have been safe. Wouldn't have been comfortable. Would have maybe got eaten by one of the dogs that are just everywhere there. Like not, not an option. So trail running didn't really happen. Didn't happen at wow. all. So that sucks. I wish I could have given you an epic report there, but I couldn't. Well, this is interesting to me. How many miles did you hit? <sighs> well, in, in four, I think well, 45, I think for me, this last week with some all on pavement vert and one treadmill run with 4,300 feet of gain or something where that one, you know, put a lot of time in, but didn't travel very far. Um, mostly on pay- everything. Well, else that wasn't pay- an option for you a year ago. No, all my speed goat fives and that, that she worked out perfectly. Um, but, uh, man, I'll tell you what, that culture there in, in Vietnam is infused in everything from like, from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, you know, you are not anywhere near something that you're familiar with just the way um everything presents which was was pretty cool i i will say that in the trip what i one thing i realized is first of all i appreciate the heck out of those the people in general there is a general friendliness to them that you would not find in other places the willingness to like try to understand you and guide you i mean the the beggars and the sellers are everywhere so you constantly have to fend people off because they're trying to sell you something you stand out like a sore thumb as a tourist there and so um a lot of that which i i wasn't a big fan of towards the end um but i think if i had to go back and do it differently i love the culture shock i love the experience i I could talk for hours about the trip um but i think i still crave outdoors and i wish i would have implemented a way to find a way to get back in nature more than i did i learned about culture got in busy like i wouldn't go to new york and hang out in a busy city why would i go to vietnam and do that right like i don't that's not my thing so Mm -hmm. i I get i got over places quickly in like a day or two because i was like yep i get it now let's go get some fresh air and then i was able to do that the last five days of the trip which was our plan so it worked out perfectly i just wish i could have got back into like the jungle more which would have been super cool like i was out running and a monkey ran across the road in front of me and i was like i want to go where that monkey's going but I, i can't i'm not i can't do that i can't go into that woods where that monkey just went like weird things like that. Like I, I, I don't know a way around that. But other than that, it was a pretty cool trip, man. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, we're gonna have a very different trip, you and I. Uh huh. Going to a small town in northern Sweden. What's your plan for training? I'm just gonna feel it out. I'm gonna go in with no expectations. I'm gonna run with Lisa whenever possible. So their roads there, they don't plow or anything. They just kind of pack it down just hard packed snow on their roads so it's snow everywhere and then they have the rivers and the lakes that are frozen solid and people use as roads and trails and so there's lake running river running some trail running road running but it's on snow it's it's, it sounds kind of like an alaska an alaskan town is it going to be melting off at this point are you going to be pretty committed to snow running no matter what Pretty committed to snow running. It's it's a little cold. It's like ten degrees colder there than here. Uh, is treadmill access though? I would assume if you need it. Yep. Yes, I get. We have access to Marin's team facility, so we have skier, rower, treadmill, weights, machines, whenever we want as well. So you have an ideal training environment if you want to stay on course with getting ready. Race specificity. Yeah. Which I just don't have any interest <laughs> in doing fast compromise running right now and maybe i will when i get there but you know how it is you get in there and it 
she's like, it's only pro athletes and, and, uh, senior citizens in this gym. So you get in there and you get in that environment and maybe it's real easy to crank. I could see that being easy to crank, but I did a three mile hard tempo yesterday. Okay. Like hard, not, not a threshold run. I ran it hard. It was somewhere between a tempo and a time trial. Mm. And it was probably closer to time trial than tempo. By the end, I was very uncomfortable. And I went 528, 527, 526, I think. Ooh, well managed. That'd be a sub 17 5K if you extended that out. I don't know. It was uh, 1624 through three mile. Ooh, it would have been right there. It would have been right at probably 17.0. But what that says is that uh, that's not that type of fitness needed to do well at a 3k course right now so it was kind of confirmation that the amount of cramming i'd have to do is not worth the squeeze right now it just isn't it would it would be exactly at odds with what i want to do if i went out and went 1550 on those three miles and it'd be like okay yeah maybe maybe you just keep doing what you're doing and do a little bit of skill work but a little bit of skill work's not going to get me to the podium in a 3k off of what would we call it? 520, maybe 518 race pace for a 5K right now if I went all out. That's just too slow. Too slow. So keep building. Which is fine. Yeah. So you're not gonna you're not gonna script any work. You're gonna sort of do the approach you talked about. When you're ready to work, you'll work, maybe pick a, a workout out of the hat. Yeah. And I have my it's like a Netflix queue. I have it sitting there. I have my compromise workouts. I have 3K workouts. I have threshold workouts, hill, flat, and trail version of all three. Like They're there if I want them, but I have to want them. I'm not going to force anything. I'm just going to keep running. I'm going to go explore. I, I, I think looking back at all my best training vacations, my best ones come where I spend the first few days exploring and just each run is new and fun and you get more mileage than you think you're going to get. And then you start to look and say, this would be a good place for this workout. And this would be a good place for this workout. And then you start doing that. That's, that's when I've had my best vacation training outside of going in where it's, I'm in the middle of a training block and I'm just doing exactly what I have scripted no matter what. And that's effective, but you don't explore and get to know the area as much. And when, when we went to Spain where Marin was playing last and visited, we just explored and it enhanced the vacation. Got to know the whole town. I went for two or three night runs because we were having trouble sleeping at night. So I'd go out at 11, 12 at night and just do like a five or six mile run through town and just get to know the town a little better. So I kind of look forward to doing that for at least the first few days and then find out. So what I did the back half of my trip is explore and then pick your spots and uh, hit with purpose. I I like that. What's the city, the closest big city you'll be to? I want to figure out your time difference. Do you know? Uh, I don't think there is a closest big city. It's called Lulia, L-U-L-E-A. But I think it's same same time zone as Stockholm, where we fly into. Okay, so Stockholm, you are six hours ahead there, which is probably enough to make you really so, throw no, you off. Be... Just enough, but not terrible. Hmm. But not great. So yeah, if you look, if you look at Lulia, it's up more in the north of it, and mm-hmm. not as north as you can get. But what is your uh, what is your travel itinerary as far as flights? Nonstop there. Out of Chicago? From Chicago to Stockholm. Nice. Yeah. Sweet. And then on the way back, they changed us. We had Stockholm straight back to Chicago, and then they 
Now we're Stockholm to Copenhagen, Copenhagen to Chicago. Okay, not too bad. But it's a short flight. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't need to be on another 15-hour flight anytime soon, I can tell you that. Oof. Mm-hmm. So with with what you just did, it's it's akin to going to Dubai. You had 12-hour time zone difference. I think we're 10 from here. Going over to heat... Mm-hmm. What would you do now, having seen that, having felt that, if you were going to do the Spartan Championships in Abu Dhabi this year, how would you approach that? What day would you want to get there for us yeah. for a Saturday or a Friday race? Yeah, good question. Um, well, the weird. Th- so I'm a little cloudy because day two when I got there, I woke up with a horrible sore throat and felt like crap for three days. Felt good for another day or two. And then, bam, got hit again with something else. Jess and I both did. So most of the vacation, oh, really? I was like, I don't feel good. But you push through because you're on vacation. So I got you know around so many people, and I haven't been around so many. I just got sick. Like sick. I'm still fighting off. Jess is at work maybe throwing up right now. I got a text from her, so I don't know how she's doing. But anyways, so it clouds how I felt. But Ugh. the best I felt systemically was like, Either, although I felt like shit in life, my body was so caged up when I got there. Like my legs floated on my first run there. I was like, I was just, I needed to run. Yeah, yeah. I was out of sorts and I felt weird, but like I was ready to run because I was a caged animal. It's like the first morning I woke up and raced. Then I had some down days and then about a week after getting there, I finally got a couple nights sleep when I was supposed to sleep. I think you minimum need seven days, but I would say 10 ideally you either go there you're in a complete tizzy and you just run off of adrenaline and caffeine and no sleep and you might pull something off or do not fall in the abyss of the first seven days like just because then you're gonna crash you're gonna crash from the time zone difference from the heat and you need to acclimate so either like go there and roll the dice and like get off the plane try to sleep a little and and go and just hope that the shake to your system works which i wouldn't recommend but i think somebody could pull it off or go seven to ten days or more. That middle ground was where we were. The I just felt like shit. Like it all caught up with me. Yeah. So that makes sense. That which I think is most people's plan. It's like oh, I'll get there three, five, seven days out. I think that's the worst plan you could possibly do. I think you need at least a week to ten days or more, or you need to just roll the dice and rip the bandaid off right when you get there. I've done it twice. Yeah. Both times I raced within thirty-six hours. And planning. How'd you feel? Miserable, but good until I didn't. Mm. I get, life sucked, but my legs worked. That's and how then, I would describe you know, it. One race, I cracked and fell apart, but I fell apart after two hours. How much sleep did you get, like the night or two before? Like, did you get sleep, or were you negligible on this plane? Can you sleep? I can't really, so I was getting fifteen minute naps. I can sleep a little bit. Okay. Yeah, I can sleep a little bit, but for a three k, I don't think it matters. I think for a thirty k, it matters. I just, I almost feel the same about altitude, like. Either go and hit it right away, even if, mm-hmm. or you gotta stay and adjust. But there's a dead zone between that adaptation phase that's just miserable. Yes, there is. <laughs> yeah. Yes, there is. Well, I'm glad you're back. I'm glad it went well. Yeah, it was a great trip. I got the uh, culture shock I I wanted. We we did this. Um, we went through like these. Uh, they were actually Hmong villages in the Vietnamese mountains. We were five hours away from the nearest major city in a small town outside of Sapa. And the way people still live, I mean, we were walking and simultaneously there's dogs everywhere that just breed and they're 
not stray, but they're stray. They end up at somebody, the same house every night. And in the same token, there was a, a family, uh, who had clearly had a dog on their driveway with puppies driveway in quotes. And they were, they were roasting a dog over an open fire right next to their, their shack of a, of a village. And our, our trekking guide talked about, I mean, yeah, she got kidnapped when she was 13 by some random boy's family and forced to be with him and then came back. And like that stuff still happens and is tradition. And people live in a very, very, I mean, the poverty is astounding. She has a good job as a trekker, this woman. And she said she makes 250 to $350 a month, which is a good living. She's She's doing well. Most people are living, you know, hand to mouth and just, just the way, just the way the goats and the cattle and the, 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 the junk people don't think about these people were never taught to put trash in a garbage can. So you go to a small village and all it is, is junk, there's junk everywhere. People are living in their own filth because they, our guide told us they were never taught differently like no you get done with your food and you just throw the wrapper like you go and you think you know there might be some purity there and there is that in aspects but in others it's you know the standard of living is is Hmm. wild and so um really eye-opening like you come back to this like house on the lake and and my food in the you know the pantry and it's like really eye-opening it's like you come back with an appreciation and then there's a big discrepancy there like we stayed in really nice places and we got pampered and there's that's the half percent right there that that live that way and the discrepancy in wealth is astronomical while most people live in poverty it's just it's wild man very eye-opening i don't think you'll get that in stockholm i could be wrong i'll be the trash (laughs) you'll be you'll be the trash (laughs) yeah well you live in west dallas yep (laughs) Sweden has a very high uh, average income and a high quality of life, and many people have multiple homes, and they all dress very well. I'm going to come in in West Dallas sweats. Cut off uh, cut off hooded sweatshirt. Cut off, yep. I think you'll yeah. do all right. What are you? Uh, what is the, the mission of your t- – I know we need to wrap up here because I believe you have something going on, but what's the, the main objective is to go watch your sister play and just get some family time in? Yeah, she she played in Sweden two years ago. She she was in Spain for three years, and then she was signed with a Swedish team. And we really wanted to go over there because we'd never done any of the Scandinavian countries. And we ended up not going. I don't remember if it was COVID or what, but we just didn't go. It had to have been COVID. And then she went to Australia for the summer to play, and we didn't go down there because travel was astronomical at the time covid plus australia mm-hmm. and then uh she signed in germany this year and so we're like well we miss sweden that's kind of sucks and then halfway through her her basketball club over there uh started going bankrupt and having all these weird political things happening and so she told her agent she's like get me out of my contract i'll play somewhere just get me out and they found a team back in sweden so she's played the second half of the season now in sweden and the playoffs just started and we don't know what's going to happen next year because it was a a half year contract Mm. so like this is maybe the we get a second chance here to get over there so we're just going over and it just happens to coincide with the playoff run that's awesome so we land and then the next day is playoff game and then they play every other day until the playoffs are done dude that's gonna be a great trip it is she 
Yeah. You have a very athletic family. Is she the most athletically talented human in your family, or who would you say is? No. Marin, if you're listening to me, I'm sorry in <laughs> advance for this. But in terms of actual athleticism, she's at the lower end. She's not a leaper. She's not explosive. But she's really crafty. She's very skilled athletically. Her hand-eye is phenomenal. Mm. And she's not bad. Clearly. She jumps well, but she's not a leap. Like she doesn't, she doesn't jump off the charts when she tests out physically. But she's also five eleven and strong and quick. But yeah, her her uh, intelligence, her court vision, and her hand eye are are kind of exceptional. So she plays like a point forward. Okay, who's the most athletically talented person in your family? Then I don't know. Hmm. I don't know who that would be. I think we're all probably pretty equal. My mom, if if you put people against their peers, my mom has the best speed and leaping ability. She was oh. a, you know, I think she high jumped over her own head in high school and was an all-state sprinter and all-state volleyball and probably gymnastics. She she was exceptional. Mom, didn't I know that? I don't know. We're, we, we, we're all kind of jack of all trades, master of none, except him. He had his one, his right arm was his, his master of one. Yet one of your siblings is making their living as a professional athlete, which is ironic saying that. Yeah, and the other one was on Team USA for rhythmic gymnastics. Uh That's wild. So Macaulay and I have done the least. (laughs) You could argue otherwise. You've turned it into your profession in its own way. So I can't agree with you there. I think we're going to find out, Bracken, if distance makes the heart grow fonder because we're not getting a lot of each other coming up here. So hopefully that sentiment is true. No, we're not. It's going to be sad. No, we're not. It's going to get real long here. The second two weeks. Yep. You're going to get a lot of me. I might come home early. Oh, you can, you could record from there, but I don't, you don't, you don't do that. We're checking out. Um, I'm going to, s- I'm not even going to bring my mic. Don't, don't bring it. We're not doing it. Um, a little plug uh, for those of you who want something else to listen to. Uh, I mentioned I did a podcast. It's called Deer Hunter. The podcast is called Deer Hunter, which I know wouldn't be up your alley. But what I do on this episode is really dumb everything down to like a very elementary level and try to walk the host through like the important pieces of fitness. And I realized that often we get lost in the weeds on this podcast and dumbing it down in quotes was actually really helpful for some people. And I got some pretty good feedback from like the hunting community on it like how how it was helpful and maybe if you get lost in the weeds in this podcast sometimes maybe go listen to the episode i did on a deer hunting podcast called deer hunter it might refresh a few things for you like not overcomplicate things and so if you need more to listen to that's what it's called deer hunter with kevin vistason and um i go back to basics for better or worse that's what we end up talking about for an hour and a half and so If you're looking for more content, you can go do that, which I imagine most of you would never imagine listening to a podcast called Deer Hunter, but you might get something out of it. So I'm going to make a point. I'm going to check it out. Yeah. Anything else you want to leave on before you jet set? I don't think so. You going to start uploading your stuff to Strava so I can start paying attention to what you're doing? Yeah, I can do that. I'd like to see it. I can do that. I do want to just reassure the crowd because there's a few individuals got about a dozen or two dozen individuals that whenever i have an injury thing or i feel like it sounds like i'm waffling and what i want to do 
they reach out and say the same kind of reaffirming, uplifting comments every time, worried about me. And I just want to reassure everyone that when I talk about, I'm not sure what I'm going to do, I'm not sure about this, I still have this one very specific goal for the year that I'm not announcing on here that Kirk and I have talked about. And that goal is not changing. Mm-hmm. And that goal demands that I race in order to accomplish it. So yep. I'm not aimless. It is the overall vision for the year is not changing. It's just at what point of the year do I get specific towards it? So don't don't worry. I'm all right. I'm more than all right. It's just making sure that I can get there. You're in the best place, I think, uh, in your relationship with running, training, and all that, that you've been in a while, considering you've been healthy. So, yeah. I'm yeah. glad you said that because we know, we know you got big plans. I have big plans, and I have this track record of recent years is now long enough for me to have to take it seriously. So I'm not just paying it lip service, neither to that track record nor to my plans. So I'm trying to respect this process and do it correctly so that it's not another woe is me, hey guys, get what happened kind of thing. Like That's why I went in for my MRI two weeks ago. That's why I had to double check and make sure on things that I wasn't feeling what I thought I was feeling. I'm I'm doing things very, very cautiously yet purposefully. So I'm not compromising that by jetting off in different directions. So you, everyone just pump their brakes. Everything's fine over here. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you gave that PSA. Um, and when can we expect you back then? What week will you be back? So people... We arrive back on April 4th, which I believe is a Tuesday. I think we fly back in time a little bit. So maybe we'll get you for for a Friday episode, Friday the seventh of yeah, April. Me for the interview, yeah, okay. yeah. All right, miss you already, Bracken. Good to see you, and now goodbye. Until next time. Mm-hmm.